Well, good morning, Oakwood family. It is so good to be here with you this morning, this Easter Sunday service. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited. I'm really excited to actually be back here in the sanctuary. Uh, It's been a while as we've been making adjustments here at the church, but so excited to uh, be here with you this morning. It kind of feels like home again. And uh, I just want to say thanks for uh, watching us this morning and in all the past weeks. Uh, we have people coming to us from all over. Just want to say, hey, so glad that you're watching us online. Uh, that's why the ministers work so hard to prepare this content. We're so glad uh, that you're joining us, especially on Easter Sunday. Now, uh, one thing I do want to acknowledge as, as uh, you see the background, you saw it during the worship, which by the way, great job worship team, did an excellent job with the worship this morning, but love this stage design, and I just got to give a shout out uh, to uh, the tech team, uh, especially a couple of people, uh, Megan and William, that have been putting this together, as well as Calvert and Rodney. Uh, the, those people have put in countless hours putting this together, but I think this is actually like the coolest stage design that we have ever had here at Oakwood. So uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it for Easter. I love the colors. And so I just want to say thanks to all those people. Um, Also, thanks to our staff. They've been working so hard the last few weeks, and especially this week being Easter. So I just want to acknowledge uh, all of that and just uh, say thank you to all those people for putting this together this morning. So uh, let's begin with a word of prayer and ask God to just bless this time uh, as we uh, come before him this morning. Lord God, I pray, just speak through your word, Lord. Speak through your word this morning. God, just speak to us in a special way. This is Easter Sunday, God. This is, this is the day that changed everything for, for everyone. And everyone has the opportunity at redemption because of what Jesus did this morning. And so, Lord, I just pray, bless this time, ordain this time. God, use it in a special way to speak to our minds and our hearts. God, we love you, and we thank you for sending your son Jesus to us. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Well, as always, you can follow along in the uh, Oakwood app if you have your uh, phone because all the scriptures and bullet points will be on there for you. But if you're like me, uh, let's get into the Word this this morning uh, just by opening your Bible. And you can actually open your Bible to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 gives us Luke's uh, rendition of the resurrection account. That's where we're going to begin this morning because I I know it feels a little bit different this morning, um, probably to to uh, some of us, just because we're not together. Um, and, and Easter, you know, is about being together as God's church, right? But, but he no less still needs to be proclaimed. He needs to be praised. He needs to be worshipped uh, because, because of what uh, God has done through Jesus Christ. And so let's begin this morning, Luke chapter 24. Um, and let's just read the whole passage here together. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. And it says this, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. So uh, just a little bit of background here. Jesus uh, was taken off of the cross and brought into the tomb very, very quickly on Friday afternoon because at sundown that started Passover. And there was all these these rules with Passover. And so uh, to make sure that they were obeying all of the laws, uh, they they made sure that he had him off the cross and into the tomb, but they didn't have time to to uh, wrap him in the burial spices. So they, they did a quick wrap on his body. They put him into the tomb. And the plan was, we'll come back 
after the Sabbath day, sundown, and after the Passover and all this, well, we're going to come back on Sunday, and on Sunday, we'll do the burial spices. We'll rewrap his, his body. And so that's what this first verse in Luke 24 is about. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared uh, for his body. And it says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. We, we have other uh, accounts that, that tell us that those were angels. And remember, angels oftentimes look like men. And it says, two men stood there in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went away marveling. Uh, some translations say that that word is perplexed or pondering. He went away marveling at what had happened there. It's interesting. We read the resurrection account, and it seems like it's a roller coaster of emotions. You know, you, you've got these times where it, it feels like, you know, oh, we're, we're uh, you know, so ecstatic and so joyful and ex excited about this. And then it seems like, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure I believe this, you know. And it seems like there's this roller coaster of highs and lows, even, even just right here in these 12 verses in Luke's account in, in, in chapter 24. And it's amazing to me. That you can see the, the human struggle here. This morning, I, I want to focus on this. I want to look at Easter through the eyes of the disciples of Jesus. Because I think we can relate to a lot of things that they felt at that time. So as we do that this morning, I want to begin with this. I want you to understand the first, the first point of the message this morning is that the struggle was real. The struggle was real. Think about their circumstances. Think about their circumstances. If, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know they were with Him in the upper room, but they could even tell in the upper room just a bit that Jesus was struggling. I mean, he, he begins by washing their feet. I mean, they had servants up there to wash the disciples' feet. He begins with that. He begins teaching them, and we read this, 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 these passages called the Upper Room Discourse from John's Gospel, chapter 13 through 17. And, and he tells them, I'm leaving you. Um, I'm, I'm going away now. The Father's going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is going to come and take my place. And it's actually good that I go because the Holy Spirit, the guide, the comforter, he's going to be with you. And, and then after that, it's like, Judas leaves, and, and, and Jesus knew who was being betrayed, but I think the disciples didn't fully grasp that at the time. And then after that, you know, you, 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 you follow them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Jesus is deep in prayer, but the disciples keep falling asleep. 
And Jesus is, is in more prayer. And the disciples, they, they just really don't quite get it yet. I think there's just this spirit of confusion about them. But it wouldn't last long because when Jesus comes back to them the last time, He says, get up, my betrayer is here. And then we, we get to read and we get to experience what happened with Judas coming to betray Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus speaking to him in that moment, Judas, you betray us me with a kiss? That's how you're going to signify to the guard that I am that your rabbi? It's a sincere moment where I think it really began to sink in. As the disciples who had been sleeping are now standing up, and there's guards all around. Or if you remember Peter, impetuous Peter, you know, grabs his sword and hacks off one of the guards' ears. And Jesus, even in that moment, because of like what we talked about last week with compassion, always feels acts. And Jesus, even in that moment with the guard's ear being cut off, he heals the man. He puts his ear back on. It's just, it's just amazing when you think about it, when you can fathom what Jesus is doing here. But again, the disciples are looking at this and they're confused and, and obviously they wanted to fight back, but at that point they chained Jesus. And it, what's amazing about that is what Jesus actually says before he leaves there. He actually tells them that this is the hour when darkness reigns. We're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the struggle with their circumstances is real. And then it records that it scattered the disciples. But then we find out later that they had met back up together in an upper room, hunkered down, trying to stay out of the limelight, trying to stay out of the way of the city. They didn't want to be associated with Jesus because they were scared, frankly. They, they saw that Jesus go through the trials and the whipping and the beating. People like Peter actually saw it all happen, but stood back from a distance. You remember how Peter must have felt. Jesus had told him at the Last Supper, you're going to deny me three times. Three times Peter denies Jesus and then the rooster crows. Just like Jesus had said. And with all that guilt upon Peter himself, it says that he went out and he wept bitterly because of what he had done to, to really, in essence, turn his back on Jesus. And then you get the whole crucifixion account. I mean, he's flogged. He has these false trials. He's flogged. He's, he's then put a crossbeam on his back. He's led through the streets of Jerusalem. And he's led to the place of the skull, Golgotha, where they're going to hang him on a cross. I mean, you, you think about this. You, 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 you fathom this as the disciples and how scared they were and how sad they were. I mean, they had a great week with Jesus, but... Beginning with that Thursday night in the upper room, it seemed like things were just changing. Jesus wasn't the same as He was before. You see, they felt all those circumstances. The struggle was real. And the struggle is real for us too, isn't it? I mean, who ever thought Easter 2020 would be on lockdown? You know, I have a senior in my house, and my senior daughter is just really struggling. You know, this is supposed to be senior prom season. This is supposed to be awards bank banquets and fun memories with your friends hanging out the last few weeks of school and, and graduation day and walking across the stage. And all of that just seems to be in limbo right now. The circumstances seem hard. Some of you have been in your house literally for weeks. The only time you ventured out is to get food. Well, and, and toilet paper. Yeah, I, I guess that's true too. But, you know, you, that's the only time that you've really left the house. And you feel isolated because you're supposed to be isolated. And maybe you haven't seen friends and even the fellowship of the saints here at the church. And it just seems like, yeah, the struggle, the struggle is really real. Some of you are struggling because it's Easter. 
and your Easter circumstances have changed. You have traditions. You always go to grandma's house and have Easter dinner, or you always go over to your aunt's house and great aunt Ethel, and she always has an egg hunt for all the, the grandkids and the nieces and nephews. And you, you know, you, you have all these traditions, and maybe all of that feels like, man, the struggle is real. That has all been stripped away. I want you to know the disciples felt that way, and we felt that way. And sometimes it's hard to distinguish that in the world. God, why do you allow us to go through these things here? I, I could preach a month's worth of sermons on that, but I'll give you this little tidbit. I really think God's intention was that we would be longing for heaven. That we would be longing for something more and something better in this world. Something better to offer than this place. And so things aren't going to be perfect in this world. It's interesting because at the end of the upper room, uh, discourse, the, the conversation Jesus had with His disciples that John shares with us in chapter 16. Uh, at the very end of that chapter, He says this to the disciples, I have said these things to you in the last three chapters, that in Me you may have peace. Can you imagine that? Son of God, Last Supper, He's just you know, given us Holy Communion, the sacraments of communion. He, he's, he's shared all this with us and He says, I have said all these things to you, so that in me you may have peace. Only in me, not in the conditions of the world, not in the conditions of your circumstances, not with the conditions of your life, just so that you would have peace. In me, that in me you would have peace. And then he says this, in this world you will have tribulation. Uh, some translations say, in this world you will have trouble, you will have trials, you will have tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation. But in, then he says this to the disciples and to us, he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world I have overcome the world and you think about the struggle and how real the struggle of faith was for the disciples at this time 36 hours of darkness really for them if you think about it the time they leave and they go to the garden of Gethsemane and remember when Jesus got up at that moment when 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 he was about to be arrested he said this he told the disciples this he said this is the hour when darkness reigns he forewarned them he told them up front this is the hour when darkness is going to reign and it seemed like those disciples were in darkness from that time on Thursday night all the way till Sunday morning I mean, really, he gets arrested that night. He has these mock trials. He's beaten and whipped the next morning. Then he has got more trials. Then he's put the crossbeam on him, led to the crucifixion site. It seemed really dark. And I always wonder, even after Jesus was on the cross and he breathed his last and he declared, it is finished, and he said, Father, into, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said all of those things, and he said that it was finished. What did that feel like? I mean, anybody standing around there knew. Jesus is dead. Jesus has actually lost his life. And he's completely innocent, which is even more frustrating. And what a struggle it is. I mean, you think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, hung on a cross to die. I think the disciples say, yeah, this is the hour when darkness reigns. But I wonder what Friday after dark was like for them. Wrap him up real quick, put him in the tomb. They put a big, big rock in the way. They put a big Roman seal there. They put guards there. I mean, this, is, this is just seems 
just so final and so helpless and so hopeless. What was Saturday like for them? How did they sleep Friday night? How did they sleep Saturday night? I mean, were they just like not sleeping that entire time? Were they just dozing off an hour here or an hour there? What was it like to truly go through that? A struggle of faith. A a struggle of faith because of what the world was giving them at the time. The struggle was real. And I think today we could say for some of us, yeah, the struggle of our faith is, is real this is not what we'd hoped for but we need to remember that faith hebrews 11 1 says that faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see faith is being sure of what you hope for certain of what you do not see well let's acknowledge that the struggle is real second thing this morning is their hope was in the power of the resurrection their hope was in the power of the resurrection they had a hard time understanding the resurrection. I mean, we read that in our passage. You know, the, the angels say to them, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? And then they have to go a step further after, after saying that. They said, remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man, remember this, was to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified? Remember when Jesus told you this, disciples? And, and on the third day rise... Do you remember this, ladies, as the angels are talking to the ladies right there at the tomb? Do you remember these things? And then it says in verse 8, and they remembered His words. They they remembered His words. And on returning from the tomb, they told this to the eleven and to all the rest of Jesus' followers that had hunkered down and and that were gathered together that Sunday morning. And And then it says, but in verse 11, it says, but these words seemed to them like an idle tale. They had a hard time understanding it, and they did not believe them. He's like, there's no empty tomb. What do you mean Jesus is risen? No, you know. And notice right then in, in verse 12, it says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. But Peter actually rose and ran to the tomb. It's interesting in Mark's Gospel, chapter uh, 16, verse 7, uh, it's interesting in Mark's account because he said that the angels had, had said unto uh, Mary Magdalene to go and tell his disciples and Peter. It's interesting. Why couldn't you just say, go tell all the disciples? Peter was one of them. But I think it's because of Peter's denial of Christ and because of the struggle that heaven knew Peter was having from denying Christ and all the guilt he was carrying from, from denying his Savior. I think it was at that point where... Uh, They actually, you know, he acknowledges it there. He says, hey, go tell the disciples and be sure to tell Peter because we know that there's struggle here. And through all of that, you get to this point where you figure out their only hope, their only hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was just hard for them to understand that Jesus was the propitiation of, for our sins. Uh, saying it another way. He was the substitutionary atonement for our sins. Uh, try to break that down a little bit more. Um, yeah, He was the substitute sacrifice for our sins. He took on all of the sins of the entire world. All that mankind had committed. All that you've committed. And all that I have committed. He took on all of the sins of the world. And you think, well, what should our response be? Check out Peter's response. Peter that had denied Christ. Peter that then was restored by Christ. In Acts chapter 2, Peter becomes 
uh, the father of the church in, in Jerusalem, and, and really for, for that matter, uh, many churches, the, the father of the church. Uh, Peter uh, gives, it, gives it to the crowd in Jerusalem. He, he tells them the whole story of Jesus. It says there that the people in the crowd were stricken to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? They believed. They believed the story of Jesus. They just experienced it like 50 days ago. They'd seen the cross. They, they'd heard of Jesus being risen again. 500 people had actually seen Jesus with their own eyes, seen that He had been risen from the dead, that He was walking around and talking and eating and, and, and being human again. I mean, people had seen that. And, and it was that hope it was that power of that resurrection was where they decided that they were going to have to put their hope in. And Peter turns to that crowd and says, hey, I know you all are believing. Now you, what you need to do is you need to repent. You need to turn away from sin and go God's direction. You need to repent and be baptized. Every one of you for the forgiveness of sins. All of you need to do this. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I love what it says. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How can that be? Think about that. How can that be? It's because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Jesus has the power over death. Jesus has the power over sin. And Jesus gives that to us when we ask Him to be our Savior and our Lord. And the power of the resurrection lives on in us even today. Because anytime you see a person redeemed, you see a person that was down in that road of darkness, you see them bogged down in the circumstances of life, and you feel like they're making a comeback. This is their comeback story. That redemption is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it seems like it leaves us crying out for resurrection in our times. We have so much corruption in our government. And it's a cry for a resurrection. Wouldn't we like to see a resurrection there? Broken marriages. People that are maybe even getting to that point where they're just on the brink, they're facing a divorce. It's a cry for a resurrection there. They'd like to see that resurrected, wouldn't they? If you lose your job, you lose your income, you really just don't know where your next meal is is going to come from. It's a cry for a resurrection. A person who has been hurt over and over because someone sinned against them. Their friend had stabbed them in the back. Again, it's a cry for a resurrection. Someone weeps for the loss of a loved one that has passed away. It's again a cry for a resurrection. The person that has sinned again and they're so discouraged and they feel so guilty because I cannot believe I got back into that sinful pattern again. What a wretch of a person I am. Who is going to save me? It's a resurrection moment. It's a cry for a resurrection. Disease. Even COVID-19 is a cry for a resurrection. And the disciples said, you know what? Jesus resurrected from the dead, and we're going to put all of our faith and all of our hope in his power now. And he didn't do it for just them. He did it for all of us. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He redeemed them. He sacrificed them. And praise needs to be to the Lord God Almighty. And because of that, the third thing this morning, because of that, they lived life with an urgent sense to share the resurrection story. They lived life with this urgent sense 
this urgency that they had to share the resurrection story. And you think, well, well, who did they share it with? If you read the book of Acts and you read the rest of the New Testament, you find out that they actually shared it with everyone. This, this story, this gospel, this resurrection of the dead, it's for everyone. It's for everywhere, every continent. I mean, we, we talk about this here at Oakwood all the time. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. The marching orders for every Christian. Some of Jesus' last words before He leaves this world is go and make disciples. That word disciples means fully devoted followers of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, while you are on this mission, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. My resurrection power is with you. I overcame it for you. Now use it for me. And because of that, they lived this life with this urgent sense to share the resurrection story. You think about that. When was the last time you shared the resurrection story? When was the last time that you took a moment and you really, you really shared it with someone? I mean, you at least tried. You really shared the Scripture. You shared what Christ has done in your life. And you shared that He had the power over death. I mean, tell me. Be, be real today. Come on, church. If someone could physically today raise someone from the dead, do you think you'd take note of that? Do you think you might want to hang out with that person? Do you think they might have some supernatural power from on high? And yet that is the Son of God, Jesus. Raises from the dead. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. And the story of Jesus changes hearts and changes lives and changes everything for us today. You see, the fact is, is that resurrection is victory. Resurrection is victory. And I think that's what so many of us are looking for in our lives. We're looking for victory. We, we need some victories now, don't we? I mean, you know, you've been maybe, you know, just, just kind of put out with the whole situation. Uh, the staying at home and the edicts from the government telling you, you know, what you can and cannot do, where you can and cannot go, and all these things. And, and again, I just want to encourage us to, to be good citizens, not to judge each other, not to, you know, maybe this one family goes out more than you. We're not going to judge them. We're going to pray for them and pray that they'd stay healthy, and we're going to love on them. We're going to choose to not judge each other or to judge the rest of the world, but we're just going to choose to be good citizens and to be good supporters. And we're going to choose to be resurrection people because resurrection is victory. It gives us victory in our life. And I don't know where you're at with Christ this morning, but I'm telling you what, giving your life to Christ on Easter, I think, is amazing. I, I love celebrating baptisms on Easter. I think that's amazing. And if, if you want to get baptized today, I'm telling you what, we can make that happen. So uh, just reach out, get a hold of one of our ministers. We will we'll make it happen. We can't have more than 10 at the church, but we will make it happen. I mean, what, what a great time to give your life to Christ, to accept that resurrection power. Because I believe there's somebody this morning, there's somebody here right now that you're saying you know what i've never accepted christ i've heard the story and I, and I understand it but i've never ever like given myself to him i've never ever had that moment where i actually deed my heart over to the god of the universe and to his son jesus christ and i want to encourage you to do that this morning so what i'm gonna do here is we're just going to close in a, in a in a word of prayer and i just ask you to pray with me this morning um, and if you want to accept christ i want to walk you through a, a prayer for that right now this morning 
Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I thank you uh, just for the, the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, for what it means for us, God, that we can be a people of victory. God, that, that we have victory in our lives because of the power of the resurrection. And because of that, Lord, uh, we who are saved, we who, who celebrate it this morning, we need to be people that are actually doing your marching orders and still being the church, being the city on a hill, a lamp on a stand, a light to the world for you, being the hands and feet of Jesus in real and tangible ways in this time. And God, I believe there's some here that they've been, they've been watching this morning and, they, and they're, they're saying, you know what, I've never ever really done that. Lord, I just pray that they would pray with me right now. They would just say, just say something like this. It's not, there's not magic in these words. It's just a heart repentant and, and, and turned over to God. Lord God, I, I realize now your great love for me. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I, I want you into my heart, into my life, God. And so I pray, God, this morning, uh, right now, God, that you would just come in. I deed my heart, my life to you. I now acknowledge you as Savior and as Lord, as the boss over my life and my heart. And God, I thank you for the resurrection. I pray, God, do a resurrection work in me. God, I thank you for anybody that has prayed that this morning, that has reached out to you. God, I pray they'd follow that up with baptism. Even if it's today, Lord, that they would, they would reach out and say, you know what, I'm getting baptized. And Lord, uh, you know, there's nothing magical in the, in the waters here, Lord. If it's somebody that, that wants to get baptized in a backyard pool uh, with, with some friends, Lord, as long as we stay within the social distancing guidelines and all that, God, we still want to celebrate uh, someone coming to you this morning. And so, God, just thank you uh, for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, the empty tomb. God, thank you that we can celebrate this together this Easter. Lord, I, I just pray that we would take this gospel truth, this message, and this joy that we have as your followers out to the world and continue to do that in the days and weeks ahead. God, that they can see Christ in us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.